God is on the move. People's lives are being touched. All of you, if I took the time and went around and interviewed you, you'd have a story to tell. This is what the Holy Spirit's been putting in my heart, not just with life transformation, but how many of you know many people stepped out during this pledge time and believed God for crazy things? I told you to pray and obey. And here's why I'm telling you to do this. We need to be enlarged in our hearts, in our faith. How many of you know we need more practical experience with Jesus in our lives? I'm going to say that again practical encounter experience with Jesus in our lives. Not theoretical, not theological only, practical. Christianity is a relationship, not a religion. And God's always calling us to partner with him and to walk with him and to know him. All right, so here's the deal. And I got to keep sharing these stories. We're going to hear these for three years. I had two stories last week. One situation, again, I, all I encourage you to do is not the amount, but do what God speaks to you, and then just trust him. Well, you can have a small personal economy or a large personal economy, it doesn't matter, but hear what God's saying and obey. So this person heard what the Lord said, they're like, wow, Lord, that would be a stretch. They made a three-year pledge, and within that week, within a matter of days, went to work, guess what? Got a raise. Guess how much to the dollar the raise was? the three-year pledge. Now, how many of you know when that happens, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize God's trying to get your attention? And when the creator of the universe is personally involved in your life, and you prayed, and you said, I really think that's what the Holy Spirit said, and you acted on it, and then God, before the week's over, already matched your three-year pledge and gave you the reason. How many of you think that might be God trying to say, woohoo? Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? All right. I had another situation, a massive economy, all right, gave a crazy amount that they were like, wow, this is going to really stretch us, or made the three-year pledge, all right? Then our government came through with this wonderful um, payback plan. They said, first of all, we'll destroy the economy, and then we'll take your tax dollars and give it back to you so we look like Santa Claus. This is amazing. This person gave an incredible pledge, having to trust the Lord, and then the government decided we're going to pay you back for the year and a half business that we destroyed for your profits in that particular part of the company. Do you know that the amount of the check that he got back was twice as much as his three-year pledge, and that was the federal government paying him back? How many of you know when the government's paying to fund the church, that's a great thing, all right? I had another brother that came up to me, because here's the thing, when I tell you these stories, I know you got stories. Some of you have stories already. Somebody else came up to me and said, Pastor, I gave this amount, it was about all that I could afford right now, and then unexpectedly I get a check this week, profit sharing from the steel mill, it was $700. Unexpected. I'm like, wow, that is amazing. Then somebody came up to me who we had blessed years ago, years and years ago. And they had a thank you note for me. And they handed me the card and said, thank you. I can't, you know, you guys came into our lives at such a critical time. And God used you to bless us. And we just wanted to, we just wanted to thank you. Good job. I need lots of clapping up here. You got to help me out. All right. (laughs) He opens up the card. What's in the card? A check for guess how much? $700. Now, listen. In the same week, you get two gifts for the same amount, totally unexpected, $700. Wow, what a coincidence. 700 
Folks, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. God is alive. And some, I have these questions all the time. Um, pastors, we brought some guests and they wanted to know if you're a prosperity preacher. <laughs> I mean, no, that's a loaded question. Well, I know I'm not a poverty preacher. May the Lord bless you with dire poverty so that you all starve. No, we're not poverty. The gospel's not about poverty. But how many know the gospel's also not about building bigger silos? It's, a, it's about prosperity for a purpose. And I want you to hear this. The more God can trust you to handle his money and to pray and to obey. Like when that guy gets those two $700 checks, he doesn't go, yeah! What does he do? He says, Lord, what do you want to do with your $1,400 that you just blessed us with? Now, again, there's nothing wrong. We have to pay bills. We got house payments. We got mortgage pay. I mean, I get it. We're raising kids. I get it. But guess what? When you live your life under the lordship of Jesus, it's all his. And it's so great just to say, Lord, what do you want to do? And then when you trust him, this is why I want to highlight these stories, because if you'll trust the Lord. Now, this doesn't mean, oh, I'm just going to write this check and God's going to do something. No, no. Pray, obey. Pray, obey. If you don't obey and you just try to do a good deed in Jesus' name, that's not, God's not a big you know, slot machine, okay? That's not how he works. Pray, obey. But when God asks you to do something crazy, do it. Because on the other side of that is something amazing that God wants to do. And listen, why is he doing this? To show you how awesome he is and to show you what an amazing daddy he is and to show you how much he loves you and to show you how he wants to partner with you to bring blessings to other people. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. This, this stuff gets to be so exciting. This is, this, and listen, when we move in a spirit of, obe- of obedience to the Lord, we pray, we obey, that's when we open ourselves up to the supernatural. So let me encourage you this morning, just in the time that we have left. Uh, I did a series uh, not too long ago called Voices. Y'all remember that series? We, were, we basically said, as Christian people, we need to learn how to hear God's voice for a million reasons in life. How many of you know there's tons of decisions you and I will face over the course of our life? We need God's wisdom. We said one of the main reasons, uh, main ways that God speaks, the main way, is the Bible. But we also said don't read your Bible without the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. And what good does it do to try to understand the Bible in your own mind when the Holy Spirit's waiting there, wants to live on the inside of you and wants to in, uh, open your eyes and wants to teach you? So we have to move with the Holy Spirit. We have to believe the promises of God. And we talked about a whole myriad of other ways that we need to hear God's voice. But let me just say this. When you, what does it mean to be a mature Christian? I, I believe it has nothing to do with how many years you've been attending church. It has nothing to do with, I've been, I've been a greeter at the door at my church for 20 years. Praise the Lord. I'm grateful for that. How many of you know you can meet greeters that are mean as rattlesnakes? In other words, the amount of time you spend on this property has nothing to do with your spiritual maturity. Nada. But this is what I've noticed. The more mature you get, the more you turn your focus outward, and the more you live for Jesus and for other people. In other words, it's not about you. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Now, let me just put a comma here. There are times in our lives when you need to focus on you. Because if my heart is all jacked up, right? My heart's wounded. My heart's broken. My heart's full of bitterness. My heart's full of resentment. I've gone through abuse. 
How many of you know it is a terrible thing to try to communicate Jesus to other people when it's coming through somebody who's completely broken? Not that you can't communicate Jesus all the time, but my point is take the time to get your heart healed. Because then it's not coming through a filter that twists and, dis- and distorts the Lord. Everybody know what I'm talking about? So, so get your heart healed. And we have so many ministries. We just got back to the women's encounter. We got renovating you. We got celebrate recovery. Life groups. I mean, re- how many of you know you get healed in the context of relationships? When you're vulnerable. Marriage class. Man, we got so many things. And I just want you to hear loudly and clearly. Always take time to do heart work. Because trying to do the ministry without doing heart work makes the ministry really messy and gives God a bad reputation, all right? So get your heart healed. But let me just say this, hear me. Don't make an idol out of your brokenness. Some people never get beyond my brokenness, my brokenness, my brokenness. And they, and they are experts on their brokenness. Take your brokenness and keep giving it to the Lord and keep being vulnerable and keep being transparent and keep being raw and real and let the Lord heal you. Don't make an idol out of your brokenness. Because here's the deal. God's really, why did he redeem you? Why did he restore you? Why does he heal you? So you can be a conduit of his goodness to other people. And can I just tell you, your life begins to take off when you realize your life isn't fundamentally about you. It's about others. And when you begin to partner with the king of glory and you begin to live for other people, you see God move in your life. And listen, when you see God move in your life, that's when everything changes because you're like, this is awesome. God just did that. God just did that. So let me encourage you to, to not avoid, or to, to avoid, rather, two unhelpful extremes. I think I've quoted this before, but it's a, it's a great illustration. C.S. Lewis said that fallen human beings are like drunk people trying to ride a horse. How many of you know, don't be drunk and try to ride a horse. Bad idea. Don't be drunk, period. Be full of the Holy Spirit. But don't be drunk riding a horse, all right? Imagine a drunk on a horse. He takes a couple of gallops, falls off on the left side into the ditch. What do you do? They get him back up, set him on the horse. A couple more gallops, falls off on the right side. In other words, human nature has the tendency to be polarized to extremes. Let me give you two extremes. First extreme, the church is a humanitarian organization. Now, how many of you know we're called to care for the least of these? We're called to take care of the poor and the needy, right? We're called to deliver groceries in Jesus' name. Come on. We're called to do good deeds. Can I get an amen? Now, hear me loud and clear. The church is all of those things. But if the church is all of those things only, we're not the church. The church is not the Moose Lodge, all right? The church is not the Red Cross, The church is not, think of any other humanitarian organization. We are not that. We are all that and more. All right? We're all that and then some. How many of you know you don't don't need a saved person to deliver groceries to somebody in need? But it's nice when anybody delivers groceries to anybody in need. We, we hosted a blood drive here at the church. I think that's one of the things. We have a great facility. How many of you can say amen to that? We had, we had that whole foyer full of people giving blood during COVID. What a great thing. But listen, the church is more than a blood drive. 
The church is more than handing out lollipops and masks during COVID, you know, because we're just going to be the nice church that hands out masks. Well, yeah, hand out masks. Who cares? But listen, the church's function is more than handing out masks or groceries or anything else for that matter. Anybody can do that whether you're saved or unsaved. I mean, you know, we have more to offer than just that. There is a supernatural dimension to who the church is that if we lose the supernatural, we just become, you know, the Moose Lodge. Like I said, the Elks Club or whatever. Have we got any Moose Club members or Elks Lodge members? All right, thank you, Rose. I'm not offending you, Rose. Thank God that you no, you know. Are you joking? Do you, do you have the... Oh! Okay. <laughs> All right, so Rose, you still love me. I knew you did. All right. Because my point is this, thank God for any organization doing good things. We're not, the, we're not the church of bad deeds, we're the church of good deeds, amen? But let's be more than that. But let me go to the other extreme. Put the next slide up. We're, some people have this mentality that we are to be a daily signs and wonders highlight reel, okay? In other words, how many of you know when you watch ESPN, they have the plays of the week? Now those plays of the week are the very best snapshots of a whole lot of sports activity that went on. So you got the best dunk, you got the farthest home run, you got, you know, whatever. They're the highlight reel. Some Christians read the book of Acts and they go, man, look at the early church. We're a bunch of losers because who do we raise from the dead today? Who do we, you know, heal, get up from their mat today? In other words, you got this idea that if you're not raising people from the dead, walking on water and glowing in the dark every day, you're, you're somehow walking in unbelief and God's going, oh. And I mean, you know, it's a miserable environment to live under when you can never measure up. When the expect, how many know when the expectations are so high, most people just quit? And can I just tell you, here's, here's what I am saying. You know, the book of Acts, anybody, anybody know how long, when you read the book of Acts, what time period was that written over? Was that like a week in the, in the life of the church? What time period? About 30 years, theologians estimate, 30 years. So you have a 30-year highlight reel. Now, I'm sure there was a million other things that were done during that time. Please hear me. I'm not minimizing signs and wonders in the supernatural. We believe, we're a church that's all about it. But here's my point. When we come to church on Sunday... We should not have these expectations that I believe are, are unrealistic. I believe we're constantly being taught. We're constantly growing. And how many of you know this? Like I was talking to Pastor Dick many times. When, when the Soviet Union, when the, 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 uh, the wall fell, right? Uh, the Iron Curtain, Soviet Union. And they opened up to the gospel. Do you know what happened? Christians came rushing in there. And you know what happened? People were flocking to the altar to get saved. Miracles were happening all over the place. This was, this was like how many years of godless communist uh, religion, all right? These people were starving for God. I mean, you know, there's something about desire, desperation, uh, the sovereign move of God, human beings responding in faith and sticking their necks out and believing God and actually praying for people. All of those things get mixed together and you see the miraculous. You see the supernatural. Here's what I'm saying. We all know that there's more. How many of you think you could experience more of the presence of God in your life? Me too. How many of you would like to see more of a demonstration of the power of God in your life? Yeah, me too. All right, so none of us have arrived, right? None of us have arrived. So here's what we're going to, here's what I'm trying to stir us up during this thing. Let's not just fall back into the, 
do-good humanitarian side, but let's also not put such unrealistic expectations on everybody in this room that we all just go, well, I guess I don't have that gift. I'm just going to quit. Here's my message. Everybody should be moving in the supernatural. And there's always more to experience. And I believe this. You know, we talk about the times and seasons. I believe that as America continues to get shaken, we're going to see more desperation, and we're going to see an incredible move of God for churches that are ready to say, we're available, Lord. So I'm not telling you, lower your expectations. Don't believe. No, I'm saying, let's believe God. Let's keep moving forward. But let's not put our spiritual tail between our legs and walk around, you know, like a beat dog uh, because we're somehow not living up to, to whatever expectations we have put on ourselves or somebody else or some pastor has put on ourselves, all right? But let's reclaim the miraculous as a normal way of life. Now, look with me. How many of you know when in Matthew 28, of course, at the end, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we got the Great Commission, which is the mandate of the church. Let me, I'm going to paraphrase Christ's mandate to the disciples. This is basically what he said. I've called you to go into all the world and do the impossible. See you guys later. Most of these folks were fishermen, right? Fishermen stay where their income is, which means if this is the lake that I fish in and I get money from catching fish, this is where I'm going to live. And if I get too far away from the lake, I'm getting far away from my livelihood. So how many of you know most of those guys probably hadn't left the neighborhood in their lives? And what does Jesus do? Jesus says, all right, guys, we're going to send you out in the whole world. We're going to make disciples of nations. I want you to understand the mind-blowing mandate that this was. This was so big, it blew their circuits. You remember that passage in, in Acts chapter 1, I believe it is, when the disciples are standing there, they're watching the Jesus just went up and ascended out right in the clouds right before their eyes. I bet their mouths were wide open. And I bet they were, again, going, what did, you, what did he say? We're supposed to do what? We're supposed to go to, to the nations? You mean I got to leave Crown Point? Are you kidding me? I might have to drop my nets. You know, what? What did he say? And then you remember in Acts 1, verse 4, Jesus says this. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, here's the command, don't leave Jerusalem until, until what? Until the Father sends you the gift he promised as I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, what happens when we baptize people with water? In fact, we're going to have baptisms next Sunday. Um, what do we do? We immerse them, right? We don't just sprinkle them around here. We dunk them. And if we're baptizing a guy like Eli, we want to make sure he gets real clean. We hold him down longer and shake him, you know, to make sure all the junk comes off of us. Come on. No, but, but that's a immersion, totally buried with Christ, resurrected. What did Jesus say? I want you to be baptized. Picture that baptismal pool, that water being the Holy Spirit. We want you to be dunked. We want you to come up, not a bit on you, that's dry, you're soaking wet, drenched with the Holy Spirit's presence and power. Y'all get the picture. We're not just saying, here, have a little bit of the Holy Spirit, a little bit for you. No, no, no. Dunk them. You with me? That's the picture here. Jesus said, don't leave home without him, the Holy Spirit. In other words, you cannot do this supernatural walk that God's calling us to do without the presence of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We were born to live a supernatural life doing God's work by God's power.
And here's what I want to challenge you with. What would happen if we started our day every morning? And this is my practical challenge to you. Every morning you say this, Lord Jesus, I belong to you. Lord Jesus, I know you want me to be a conduit between heaven and earth to release your blessing and your goodness and your power and your answers to people that I'm in contact with today. Lord, let there be divine appointments in my life so that I can release what's on your heart to meet the needs of people around me. How many think that might be an exciting prayer to pray? And it focuses us and it creates a sense of expectation that God wants to do something today in me. So there's not one day that we just go by on autopilot, busy, 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 busy. No, we're thinking about how can I be a blessing and Lord, who is the perfect candidate around me that I can somehow encourage, love, provide support, help, whatever, pray for them, whatever it is. Lord, who is it? Use me today. How many of you think that would be a good posture? I think that's a dangerous prayer right there. Jesus said, I'm going to give you power, dynamite power, dunamis power to move through you to bring answers. Now, here's what I want you to see. In heaven, I want you to picture heaven as like mission central, the control booth, all right, the control center. And I was thinking about distribution outlets today, and of course, what came to my mind was Amazon, all right? Amazon has created the most extensive, incredible, stunning distribution network not only in America, but around the world. Uh, and it, they're making history in, in the marketplace. Now, I'm not saying we support everything Amazon stands for, their policies, their politics, whatever. But I want you to sit for a moment and just listen, because I want this to be a picture for us as far as what God wants us to do in the kingdom. Amazon this year will deliver, ready for this, 2.5 billion packages across America and around the world, 2.5 billion packages set on people's doorposts. How many of you know that's crazy? How do you do that? Just today, Amazon will deliver 1.6 million packages today. And I thought this was interesting. You know, it's crazy. You get on your phone, you shop, you hit a button, and then, like, my, you know, my passion is books. I love it. I'll, get, I'll, I'll say, Sherry, can you, because we got Amazon Prime, all right, at the Church of Prime. I, I say, Sherry, can you order this book from me? Sure, she says, she sends it off. When it comes the next day, I'm like, whoa, how did that book get off that shelf and end up in my church in a day? But that's nothing. You ready for this? The world record for Amazon. A lady in New York City got online and ordered an Easy Bake Oven. And 23 minutes later, it was at her door. Okay. <laughs> I want you to pause here. Heaven has no lack. And earth has lots of needs. There's people going, I need hope. I need help. I need healing. I need breakthrough. I'm depressed. I'm hurting. I mean, you know, the, there's people, they don't even, they got their, their, these are the cries of their heart. And how I many you know there's tons of needs out there? So when it comes to the supply side, the demand side, there's lots of demand on everything that heaven has. Are you with me? 
And so here, here's heaven's resources and the earth's needs. And how many of you know these are, the, these are the questions that the world is asking? Is there a God? If there is a God, where is he in this world full of brokenness and pain? Where is God? How about this question? Does God even care about me? How many of you know people that are hurting and asking these questions? In fact, the world's full of these people. And I want to ask you this question. What, what do you think is happening in heaven right now? Like, what is God doing? You know, one of God's names is the Ancient of Days. So a lot of people picture God with a long white beard and a big rocking chair. You know, when you start getting up in age, sometimes you don't need much time. You're, you're, your head's back, your mouth is open. That's, that's, that's a lot of Christians' view of God. Like, what's God doing in heaven? I'm asking this question now. What is he doing? Just waiting for human history to end so we can get on with the next chapter, right? Um, he's certainly not very excited. How about this? Occasionally he'll wake up from his nap and go, oh, I heard your request. Uh, hey, angel, can you go take care of this nice lady's need? And he goes back to sleeping again. Is that an accurate view of God? Let me ask this question. Does God have strategy meetings? Is there a heavenly boardroom? Let me ask you this question. Does God have a to-do list for right now? Of course, God doesn't need artificial lists for reminders, but the point is, is he strategizing or is he at work or what is he doing? You know, it's interesting because there are a number of places in Scripture that really reveal something interesting about God. You remember, for instance, Isaiah, when Isaiah had the vision. I believe it's Isaiah chapter 6. And Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. Remember all that? He sees this amazing, glorious God. But then this is what happened. He heard God talking. And God was saying, uh, who should we send? How many of you know God doesn't have to ever ask questions? Because he's omniscient. But he's talking. He hears God talking. And God's asking this question, who should we send on this assignment? And Isaiah says, send me. He was able to hear what was going on kind of behind the scene. How many, how many think that's interesting? Like you open up the book of Job and God's talking to Satan. Satan comes before he's reporting to, to God the Father. And they're having a discussion about, about Job. Kind of crazy, isn't it? I remember a portion of scripture in the Old Testament. There's a prophet called Micaiah who was a godly man, obviously a godly prophet, and the kings never wanted him to prophesy because he said, that guy never brings me good news. That's because he always spoke the word of the Lord. And the king was not following God. So the true prophet didn't tell him what they wanted to hear. He spoke the word of the Lord. Well, the prophet had a vision of what was happening in the heavens, and God was asking the angelic host around him, what shall I do to accomplish my judgment on this wicked king? And one of the angels said, why don't you send a lying spirit in the mouth of the prophet and deceive the king? And the Lord said, basically, I like that idea. Do it. I mean, you know, that's an interesting snapshot into what's going on behind the scenes. Because it seems as if God, who's sovereign uh, and all-powerful, is looking to work with his creation, whether it's angels or whether it's human beings. I mean, you know, God doesn't lack anything, but he certainly has, in his graciousness, allowed us to partner with him to accomplish things. How many of you know, like, 
I've noticed that when God answers my prayers, it looks a lot like my brother up here, Matt. I'm like, Lord, I really need this. My brother shows up. Hey, God just laid you on my heart. Anything I can do? At that moment, God looks a lot like this guy. And sometimes God wears a beautiful feminine face. And sometimes God has a young face. And sometimes God has a more mature face. Isn't it interesting that God always is looking to work through incarnate flesh and blood, people who's, who embody his spirit. In other words, God can do a lot of things. He, fe- he fed prophets with birds and food, from, uh, scraps, right? He fed them. But listen, he's looking to work with you and me. Do you remember, here, here he's saying, Lord, send me. Lord, take me. Uh, I love this passage because it kind of summarizes what God's not doing and what God is doing. John chapter 5, verse 17. My father, Jesus said, is always working, and so am I. Can I ask you this question? What is God doing right now? He's working. What's he working on? Well, Jesus was God in the flesh, and Jesus says in Luke 19, 10, The Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. So can I tell you what God's always doing? He's always redeeming. He's always seeking. He's always saving. He's always listening. He's always on the move. Even when we don't see it, he's moving. Even when we don't feel it, he's moving. He never stops. He never stops. Come on. We're singing the word of God here. And and this is what should encourage you. When you realize that your life is not fundamentally about you, it's about him and you're joining him. Here's what you're saying. I don't understand what's going on now, but God is still on the throne. He's working. He's moving. He's loving. He's seeking. He's saving. He's redeeming. That's what he's doing. Well, how often does he do it? Nine to five? Nope. He works overtime. He works all the time. God is a workaholic when it comes to redemption. This is pretty stunning. He is always moving. When the sun rose on the other side of the world, people were worshiping Jesus today. God was on the move. God's on the move here. He was on the move yesterday. God's touching people now. God never stops working. So here's my question to you. If heaven is full of the most amazing bounty, how many of you know every need on earth is is found in heaven? Everything, every human need found in heaven. And if the need on earth is screaming and great, what's God looking for? What's missing? In the Amazon delivery system, what's missing? Drivers, delivery agents, people that will carry the goods from point A to your house and bring you your little easy oven cooker in 23 minutes at your door. What's missing in the equation? We are. We are. And so here's my challenge to you. What if we would pause and just simply say, Lord, obviously God's not looking to hire people. He's doing just fine. But Lord, who shall we send? Send me. Send me. Who who can I encounter today and take exactly what you have and bring it to exactly what they need? Now listen. How many of you know when you are used by the Lord, like I'm just going to, let's go back to that money illustration. When you make a pledge and the next day you get a raise and it's the exact amount, what are you feeling? You're like, 
Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Lord, we were so afraid. We didn't think we could do that. We, 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 you did it in a day. And then you begin to go, wow, that was fun. Because I just partnered with God, who's alive. That was amazing. Or how about this one? So now you're learning how to do that this way for you and your family. But how about this? What if you get the wide angle lens on and you begin to say, wow, I wonder who at work today or who in my neighborhood today, Lord, what do you want to do? What if you walked into your board meeting and said, Lord, there's all these people sitting around this table and I know every one of them has a need. Lord, what do you want to do? I got to tell you a story. This is so cool. Can I tell you a story in one minute? I had a prophetic friend of mine who makes a habit of everywhere he goes before he walks into the room, he says, Lord, I know there's people here with needs and they're crying out and they're desperate and God, I know your heart is so big and I know somehow your heart needs to connect with these people and I'm the guy, so what do you want to do? I had a meeting with the leadership of the Indiana um, Family Institute up, up in my office years ago. And we had a prophetic friend in town. And I said, why don't you come up to this meeting? I've never met the president. I've never met his friend. Come up to this meeting. And so he did. We're sitting around the table. We go through our pleasantries. We talk about life and Indiana Family Institute and all this stuff. And we get to the end, and, and uh, the president, Kurt Smith, at the time, he said, hey, why don't we have a word of prayer and just commit this to the Lord? And I said, that'd be great, Kurt. So Kurt opens. Then I pray. And then my buddy Ryan prays. And then it gets to my friend Danny. And Danny says, hey, guys, I've been asking the Lord about you. Do you mind if I share some stuff God's put on my heart? And I had my head down like this, and I just got the biggest smile on my face because uh, I knew these guys were about to experience something they've never experienced before. And he shared some stuff with Kurt, and then he went on, and he, uh, he started sharing with Ryan. This still gets me. This is what I'm talking about. Okay, right here, right now, with this heart gush of emotion, this is what I'm talking about. He turns to my buddy Ryan, and he says, you know, you and your wife have had some fights because she does not understand you have a dual call, not just to government, but to the church. And that call is kind of a unique call, government, church. Most people separate, and they don't think the two go together. But you have a call to the church and the government. That's what he does. He's a lobbyist for faith and family freedom issues at the state house. He, he fights for the church at the state house. And he says, but the Lord wants you to know she understands. She understands. Well, we walk down the stairs, and I go out with Kurt. We hang a left. We head out to the parking lot, which is where I'm assuming the other guys are following me. But Ryan grabs Danny, pulls him into what was our copy room at the time. Unbeknownst to me, he is weeping, and they're embracing he said, when you started talking about my wife, I had anger go off inside of me because two or three months ago, my wife was killed. There was a drug deal and she was just coming home from work or whatever. And, and this guy ran through a red light and broadsided my wife and killed her instantly. This is his newlywed wife. And he says, but then you started saying more. 
And you started saying, you know what? She didn't understand you. And that was exactly true because we did. We would get into disagreements because she didn't understand the calling of God on my life. But when you said the words, she understands, all of a sudden I realized that from her new vantage point, she understands me and understands who I am now better than she ever could understand me. And he said, when you said that, it just brought closure in my heart. Now, who could have put that together? I'm still here talking about this, and every time I talk about it, I cry. Because the call came later. I don't remember how many years later. From Ryan, and he said, Pastor Ron, would you come and, and perform the wedding ceremony for my uh, marriage? God had brought another lady into his life. God had done an incredible amount of healing. This was a woman who uh, was a great friend of his in college. And I was able to see the next phase of restoration happen when they came together. Now listen, even in our times of incredible pain, God is not done. He is always working. He is always healing. He's still really smart and he's always really loving and he's always doing the right thing. And we're going to be able to see it if we keep in a posture where we're just, how many of you know when you're just the delivery boy, you're not questioning about the package or how it gets delivered or who ordered it or why do they order it. Your job's just to bring the goods. But I watched in that meeting somebody who simply shared, took the risk to step out of faith and share an impression well, you know, impressions are impressions. They're soft. And you can blow by them. But if you listen to the Holy Spirit, is it too far-fetched to believe that the heart of God is so full of love and goodness that he is looking around the world even now to try to find somebody that is sensitive to God's agenda and surrendered to God's heart and has their ears open so that God could speak something to them to bring life to somebody else. Is that too far-fetched? I think it sounds like God. And I've seen this. Sometimes before I get the prayer off my lips, the easy-bake oven's at the door. Because you know what? God's faster than Amazon. And God's smarter than Jeff Bezos. And you ready for this? God has more pocket change than Jeff Bezos has worth. And what God's looking for is a distribution system. Now let me just say this. Do you guys know of any group of people or organization that's in every community all around the world? like a distribution hub. Like if God was wanting to deliver his goods, but he needed a hub, he needed a place where he could release heaven through like people who could go out in, into the neighborhoods and give the stuff. Like could you think of, like how would God do that? Like, Come on, all you chickens. You know what I'm going with. What, what, what are you guys thinking? The church, are you kidding me? This is brilliant. God has distribution centers in every community. 
<gasps> Are you kidding me? What's he looking for? He's looking for a workforce. He's looking for people that will say, wow, could God use me? Yes. I'm going to help you out. Could God speak through me? Yes. Just, am, I, am I good enough for God? Yes, because of Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. Do I have what it takes? Yes. Can I learn how to hear God's voice? Yes. Can I learn how to love people? Yes. And could I learn how to experience life to the fullest? You guys hear what I'm saying? This is, this is genius. All we've got to do is say this, Lord, here I am, send me. How about this? This is my final Before we leave here today, do you think there's somebody, like before you leave the church parking lot, could God be wanting to speak to you about somebody here right now? How about this? You go out to eat lunch, you go out to whatever. Could God... Could God, if you just said, Lord, you know, what do you want me to do? Like, how many of you believe that sometimes there might be a waitress who may be a single mom, and maybe she's had tough financial situations, COVID, and she's got rent due, and she hasn't been able to pay it for a month, and you just got blessed with $700, and it's in your pocket because you just went to the bank, and you got this big wad, $700. And the Lord says, at the, at, while you're out to lunch, hey, that $700 for that lady. And you don't leave her like three bucks in a track. You go, you know what? My boss uh, put, he entrusted me with 700 bucks. And uh, he just told me, I'm supposed to give it to you. And you pull out a wad of money. And then the lady starts crying because she says, you don't even know. This is the exact amount of the rent money that I was short. And we're going to be evicted from our apartment. And how many of you know at that moment, you're just a delivery guy and you're going, wow. And she's crying and you're crying and God's going, yeah. You with me? You know how cool life would be if we, if we lived that way? We wouldn't be able to contain ourselves. We'd be running around, oh my God. Everybody at church would be all these hyper people. Yeah, that's what Jesus wants. All right. We're people that are alive because we're partnering with Jesus. So stand to your feet. Let's, can we believe God right now for the supernatural? Man, we're not going to take nothing with us, but we can sure pass a lot of stuff through us. Lord, we just present ourselves to you right now. Hey, if the Lord's saying, hey, who shall I send? Let's try that again. Hey, who shall I send? Come on, that's what I'm talking about. Lord, here we are. God, we're making ourselves available. Today, we're going to leave this building. We're going to head out to our mission field. God, give us eyes to see. Let us love people. And Holy Spirit, we love you, and we want to hear your voice more clearly. So help us not to brush off those little impressions, those little nudges that you give us, but help us to act on them. God, help your distribution network to thrive. Bless the church of Jesus Christ. And Lord, help us to move in supernatural power and blessing as we go about doing good to all who are oppressed and seeing the enemy broken off of their lives. God, let us move into our finest hour as your people. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand.